Hey everybody, welcome to Bipartisan Times. I'm your host, the American Bi Guy. For anyone that may be sensitive to the topics discussed and explored on the American Bi Guy podcast, Bipartisan Times is here for you to voice your will in news and politics. Um, you know, here we feature newsworthy individuals and authentic stories are, are traditionally ignored by other media sources. You know, we are a channel for people to voice their concerns, for change about topics and issues affecting their communities and their government. Uh, I'll start with, you know, here on Bipartisan Times, you don't need to be bisexual or identify as a member of the LGBTQ community. But if you are, that's all the more awesome. But if you're not, that's still cool. We welcome you here. You know, one of the issues that I found as a bi man is that in the LGBTQ community, there are very few platforms where individuals can voice their concerns on politics and news. And I feel as though it shouldn't be that way because, you know, many of the platforms that are out there, uh, we often, you know, are hypersexualized as a community. Uh, or you find that if you are taking a platform or a stage, you end up kind of aligning maybe with something that you really don't agree with, but you're just kind of maybe doing it just to kind of get the, you know, attention or uh, ability to kind of voice your concerns. So here on Bipartisan Times, we have that place, you know, regardless of your sexuality or how you choose to identify, uh, we are going to allow you to voice your concern on news and politics, talk about the issues therein. Anyone that knows me knows, you know, I am, you know, within, within the legal community and I can, I can uh, attest that many of the professionals that I work with are very shy or timid to talk about their sexuality to, um, you know, which is totally fine. However, they have, you know, great opinions and vast opinions on different topics and issues. It's just that they don't feel comfortable many times you know, taking a, a, a platform to voice those concerns with what is already out there, what little is already out there. So here, you know, united we stand, together we change. And we cover, you know, three different segments. We start with news, we move to black letters and law, and then we move over to a bipartisan affair. So with that being said, let's dig into it. So moving over to bipartisan news, well, we've been all living it, you know, it's been well over 50 days now where we all have been quarantined to our domiciles, <laughs> our castles, whatever you want to call it, whatever you're living in right now, uh, or, you know, imprisoned in. Um, we have all been, you know, confined to our houses due to the coronavirus, and I think that it's really important to take a step back and see where we are in society because our society the way we've built it you know here in america it can't operate it hasn't been operating you know we have um, about 55 almost 55,000 deaths to date you know from the coronavirus and uh, almost a million cases here in the u.s worldwide i believe there's like somewhere around two million cases in 200,000 deaths, a very sad and unfortunate, um, you know, thing to have in society, 
and as we all fight, you know, to try to get control of this thing, you know, someone actually called me and said, you're just so optimistic, because I had said, you know, with this thing being so big, you know, it's a pandemic, I said, you would think, that I said this to an individual, I said, you, you would think that, you know, all the world's best scientists would be, you know, collaborating and coming together and sharing research and really trying to figure out the best way to um, tackle, you know, this virus. And, and, and the woman looked at me and she said, yeah, she's very optimistic. It's kind of cute. And I was like, wait, what? You know, and maybe I am, you know, maybe because I mean, I'm the type of guy where, you know, if, if I can help somebody, I, I will. I have. I like I do that. You know, today I just, you know, returned a guy. I was on a jog and I found his wallet. I mean, he had like everything in there, social driver's license, uh, about 60 bucks in cash, debit card, you know, and I actually ended up going through the wallet to try to find out some information because he wasn't uh, local. He was from California and I actually found, you know, in there uh, his email address. And so I sent him an email and said, hey, man, I found your wallet. He got back with me, you know, and I gave it to him. And, you know, he I actually gave him my number and the email and he called me. He said, um, hey, man, I got an a, a email saying that you found my wallet. I was like, yeah, man. He was like, oh, man, it's, you know, it's mighty. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, everything's in here. He's like, you know, I know it's probably not, but is there any cash in there? And I'm like, yeah, man, you know, you, you about $60, $60 in there. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, man, you know, like I have your wallet, you know, I'm trying to return it to you. And I said, you know, he actually lived in my neighborhood, maybe like a few streets over. Uh, well, he was visiting, uh, you know, um, his, his uh, a relative. Uh, and so um, I returned it, you know, but that's the type of person that I am. And so sometimes we all kind of make that mistake. Well, not all, I, some people. People make the mistake of thinking that others, you know, um, operate like them, but that's definitely not the case. And so with this coronavirus going on, you know, I really kind of felt or I thought that there'd be a lot more of a collaborative effort to tackle this thing with all, you know, all the countries using their best researchers and scientists. But no, you know, so what does that say we are as humanity? Um, but, you know, with that being said, here in the U.S., uh, we did actually, uh, the government did approve the first uh, home uh, COVID-19 test. Uh, you do need a doctor's orders to actually get it. Um, <laughs> you know, otherwise you're going to be doing drive through testing at home, um, you know. You know, everyone is pretty much, you know, freaked out by it. And if you're listening to it, if you do have it, I am praying and hoping that you do make a full recovery because, uh, unfortunately, we've all lost, including myself. I have lost several family members um, to the COVID-19 um, virus. And, uh, you know, my family and in your family, with my prayers, you know, sending positive vibes, you know, hopeful that things definitely turn around. Um, you know, meanwhile, you know, in the country, they got people looking at all sorts of drugs and trying different, uh, like, I don't even know, I wouldn't even call them recommendations, but, you know, these, uh, thoughts that come to Trump's mind, you know, as far as like, oh, this is going to be promising or, you know, he says something crazy. I mean, you know, you don't, Democrat or Republic, like nonsense is nonsense. And, you know, there have been a number of uh, political leaders, you know, who have said things about, okay, what if we ever are in a real crisis? And 
this dude is in charge and we are all finding out exactly what that horrible nightmare would look like every day you know you turn on the news you hear something and i think well i know that the latest you know statement that he made as far as like a possible solution is to inject disinfectant into your body now whether you inhale it whether you shoot it up or whatever the man has suggested that you actually and i know most people probably already heard this but it's what we talk about here more times i mean you know this man has suggested that we inject ourselves with disinfectant now where do i even start right wrong is wrong okay and you don't need to be a rocket scientist hell you don't even need to be out of freaking i don't know like what second or third grade to even know that that's not lysol is not made for the human body i think lysol went and made a statement about saying like hey our just so you know right after he made the comment our um products are not to be ingested or used for human beings at all um that's ridiculous that's absolutely positively ridiculous and i'm okay I'm, i mean you can be a trump supporter if you're not a trump supporter i'm obviously not but you know i'm gonna voice my concern i mean this is my part of some times but at the same time you know i've turned on the channel many times that i've heard people outright going in on gay people and going in on abortion i mean openly citing their you know uh voices their opinion and their thoughts on how the world is going to hell and how people are you know changing our values well if you can get on the radio and you can see how you feel then i feel as though i should be able to say how i feel after all like i said before it's about four different times and at the end of the day you know we're all in this together and i have a right to say how i feel as much as the next person whether they are an alt-right person or an alt or, or left whatever what have you i'm a voice like if you don't like it you can turn off the channel i don't really care but with that being said, I do want to hear from other people. So if you do have an opinion, you do want to kind of have a discussion, you know, because like I said, you know, united we stand together, we change, we do learn from each other. And I'm open, but I don't see how anything positive can come from someone that's in the highest office of the land talking about injecting, disinfecting into your body from the freaking White House. I mean, from the freaking Oval Office, like that shouldn't even come out. That's just nonsense. On, on, on such an you know unbelievable scale but let me get off of that you know i think obama made a comment about okay we need coherent leadership you know um and i'm not here to praise obama i mean yeah i love obama as a president but i'm just saying that you know this is bad and this is when people states governors you know citizens look to their leader for guidance and we have a fight between states and the federal government on what's the next move what's the best move to tackle this thing whose job is it to uh have a coherent plan unbelievable un freaking believable um but with that being said uh you know what is very disheartening is the loss of life and unfortunately you know i have seen you know, in the past few weeks, you know, too many um, people, you know, struggling to fight this virus and some people even killing themselves, committing suicide um, out of fear, uh, you know, of, of contracting this virus. And um, that is something that, you know, really bothers me and lays really heavy 
on my heart um, because I don't think that anyone should, you know, be in a place where they are so afraid, you know, that they commit suicide um, or are taking orders from, you know, um, the president of the United States to inject disinfectant in their body. I believe Maryland, and shout out to Maryland because, I mean, I was born in Virginia, but I grew up in Maryland. I mean, from when I was about five years old till I was about 17. So I have really, you know, um, a fondness in my heart for Maryland. But Maryland, <laughs> the governor had made a statement stating that the Maryland hotline, I think for like, it was some sort of like, um, like disease helper, something like that. But they had like, uh, <laughs> over a hundred phone calls from people uh, calling their like poisonous hotline. You know, asking whether they, you know, should inject disinfect in their body or uh, what to do now that they have. I mean, people actually have listened to this man. That should illustrate the, uh, you know, importance of leadership, you know, of the Oval Office. Because, I mean, most people who pretty much can, you know, read and write, or, you know, recite their ABCs know that that ain't going to fly. You know, but yet, and still, you got people who, you know, are saying, well, well, my president said that we should just go ahead and, you know, and we should try this drug or try this drug or, you know, and hell, we should even inject ourselves with disinfectant. Seriously, that's that's where we are in, in 2020. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not even gonna, you know, like, go down that road. Uh, but you do have uh, people also supporting this sort of like I can't say they support that rhetoric per se but you do have people who are protesting people are freaking protesting all throughout the country you know uh Wisconsin you know especially you know uh Michigan I mean regardless of all the human life that has been lost around the world within this country and like I said I have lost several people of my several members of my family to this virus and you have selfish people going out there protesting about they need to go make a dollar you know that we need to go back to work now i understand that we all have bills like i said the way we built our society we can't really handle COVID 19. You know, uh, I'm not even going to go down the whole legal road of like the whole idea of Wadir and going to trial and having these, you know, uh, jurors sit next to each other in a small environment and deliberate and I mean, all, all, everything just goes out the window. Everything is gone out the window completely um, because of this virus. But yet and still you have people saying, I need to go back to work. I need a haircut. I ain't go back to work. I want to go to the gym. I mean, now, I, like I said, I love the freaking gym. I'm in the gym like five, six days a week normally. But I understand that there are people out here who are dying, and and, and and you know, and I don't think I'm a carrier. I don't, I don't, I don't have any of the symptoms. I don't know. I've never been tested. Um, but uh, at the same time, like how I would have to live with myself knowing that you know I possibly could have this thing, and I'm giving it to people, you know, just willy nilly. Like, that's how inconsiderate we are as a people here in America. People actually protesting. You know, it's unbelievable. I know, and um, I saw something the other day about, I think it's called the Playdate scandal or some a Playdate situation where you had these, um, 
women, these, <laughs> I'm being real with you. I'm going to be very real. There was these white women, you know, who were trying to take their kids out to the park, you know, rightfully so, trying to get them out, you know, spend some energy, catch some sun, feel good. And they went and took off the caution tape from the uh, playground. They took off the caution tape. And an officer came over, you know, and he, you know, said, hey, man, you got to go. I mean, there's a video online. You could probably find it, you know, but he gave her several warnings. I mean, it's like, look, you cannot have your kid on this playground. You can be out here on the park. You can do what you got to do, you know, to, you know, make them have a good time. But when it comes to using the playground equipment, you have got to go. Now, had that been my black ass, okay, I would have probably got a warning like the next person. And you would have told me once I'd have been gone. First of all, I wouldn't even went to the take off the caution tape but but here it is this woman and her friend i mean it appeared to be you know her friend are challenging this officer and his authority to you know let her know like yo you can't do this and here it is she's saying well why can't we we're just using our playground our tax dollars and blase 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 and this poor officer is like you know he's like look Ma'am, I am just enforcing the law. That's where we are right now. If you are not happy about this, you can take it up with one of your elected representatives or, you know, whoever. But I'm not the man to do it. I'm just enforcing the law. Now, she just got beside herself and went ahead and, you know, thought that she could just like, you know what, I'm gonna, no, we are just playing and my children have the right to play. It's my constitutional right. Well, you know what? I'm not, like I said, I'm not, like, against the police at all. I'm not, you know, always for the police. But this officer was like, you know what, ma'am? After about the third or fourth, fifth time, he went and just arrested her. And I think it was, like I said, the play date. Um, again, he arrested her, you know. And it's just amazing because you have all these other moms following her, you know, saying, oh, my gosh, she's going to jail. Now this woman, not now you in handcuffs. Now your kids got to be taken home by somebody else. You know, you then gave everybody a fright, all the young people a fright, because you want to stand up to this officer because over a darn playground. That's where we are in this country. We're in a place in this country where people are dying and people don't give a damn about anybody else. And like I said, we built this society in a way where we're very, very selfish as a people. And now she's pretty much in back of the police car, you know, and everyone's recording her and, you know, and then they took it a step further. And so my heart goes out to the officer that was doing his job because this dude actually, this officer, there's another video of those same moms and a couple other people and this guy who's now like the spokesperson for the whole situation challenging the officer as they protest outside the officer's home like they are literally protesting outside this man's home there are two officers standing there trying to keep them at bay on the sidewalk and you know the guy's going off saying it's all right for a damn playground that's who we are now, I'd love to hear of the alt-right and all those individuals out there who are talking about the world's going to hell and XYZ and everything in between, but are you still up here talking about this poor guy that was pretty much, you know, doing his job and a woman who thought so, so high and mighty of herself to ignore the officer's several warnings to not play on the playground or allow her children to play on the playground, you know, seriously. But that's where we are in America, in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, we are in a place where, you know, people want to go back to work. They want to protest, you know, and I'm like, are you serious? 
You know, and, you know, I think uh, Governor Cuomo, I mean, he has been doing a great job of keeping, you know, the public up to date on what the state, uh, state of New York is doing. Um, you know, um, Governor Polis over here in uh, Colorado is also doing a pretty great job of keeping up to date. I'm sure there's a lot of governors out there, especially the governor of Michigan. Um, you know, she's really, you know, like I said, dealing with it as well. Uh, but, you know, Governor Cuomo said something. He said, you know what, to all you people out there, he was like, we're protesting. You want to go work, right? He said, go get an essential job. Go get an essential job. He said, there's plenty of them out there. Hiring right now as we speak. And that's what I love about, you know, uh, that statement is that you got all these people who were privileged, like the play date woman, privileged, who think they're above the law, who are entitled to X, Y, Z, and whatever they think they are. But for them, if they want to go work, which I said, right, to go do so, you can go get an essential job. Go work at the airport. Go do security. Go work at a fast food restaurant. Go work somewhere. Go work at Walmart or whatever department store. If you want to work, go work. You do have the option to work. But you don't want to do that. The people who are privileged don't want to do that. They don't want to work, you know, these blue-collar jobs or these manual labor jobs. Yet and still, they can get on the radio, they can get on TV, they can go out here and tell you real quick, you're a bum, go get a job, you're a bum, this and that, you know, uh, I worked hard for everything. Well, you don't think these people are working? The main people in society that people are always saying that you deserve to get that job or you deserve to work where you work are the same individuals that are upholding society. Yet and still, they make below minimum wage. Yet and still, the federal government has determined that $1,200 is sufficient enough, quote unquote, sufficient enough to keep people afloat for a period of time. But yet and still, many people who work those jobs don't see $1,200 in their bank account every two weeks, much less probably over a month. That's where we are in society. These are bipartisan times, folks, that we live in right now. We live in bipartisan times. And we have to do better as a society. We could talk about doing better with the environment. We could talk about doing better with policy and laws. But at the end of the day, we cannot avoid the fact that we need to change this country. We need to reevaluate a lot of different things and build differently. Otherwise, people are just going to keep right on protesting. It's no big deal. You know, you got states like Georgia opening up. I think uh, Colorado had made some, um, in Greeley, they had uh, some measures that they take to kind of open things up, you know, a little bit more. But, you know, it, it's a work in progress. And, and like I said, we got to do better. Now, I want to switch topics over to black letters in law. Now, anyone out there who's familiar with the term black letter law or been to law school, uh, they pretty much know what that means. And here we've taken our own spin on the term black letter law and we have black letters in law where we dig deeper and we unveil and discover issues that really have not been talked about uh, that are affecting our community, maybe even your community, and it's a place where we can brainstorm and really kind of, you know, think critically about ways to uh, address these issues. Uh, it's one of my favorite segments, you know, personally, uh, you know, what I've been through, like I said, I'll share in another uh, podcast on Black Letter Law, uh, why I came up with that name and what happened to me in law school that really gave me uh, this vision um, that I'm now sharing with you. So uh, let's dig into it.
So the first thing that I want to uh, talk about is, um, you know, with this coronavirus is who's getting tested. You know, I just saw, um, you know, we saw Tom Cruise. Uh, not Tom Cruise, I'm sorry. We saw um, a lot of celebrities and, uh, God, what's that guy's name? Uh, I can't even think of his name right now. Um, but uh, we saw a lot of different celebrities getting tested a lot of people having access to testing uh that um you know i mean they were celebrities they had money so you mean you kind of put two and two together and you realize yeah um they would likely be able to get a test however uh health has always been an issue affecting the black community having access to health care you know has always been an issue uh for a lot of different communities especially um native people um and their various communities uh and it's really sad and given this coronavirus it's really um you know been illustrated that that is a real problem even with the affordable care act being implemented um you know, uh, there was this thing going around for a while where they were saying that black people couldn't get the coronavirus. It was very early on into all of this. And people was like, yeah, we can't get it and blah, 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 and this and that. And um, what's, what the data has shown is that we are uh, substantially impacted by this virus at astounding rates. Now, there's many reasons why from, you know, uh, like I said, lack of health care, lack of health care access to, um, you know, they say that people of color are the ones often working the essential jobs. They're the ones still going out. A lack of measures being taken at these various um, institutions or companies to protect. You know, uh, there was a guy, and I mean, it's been on the news. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but if you haven't, you know, he was a bus driver. And he was talking about how the coronavirus, you know, driving the bus, he felt like he was trapped on like this breeding ground for the coronavirus. And he said, you know, they're not doing anything about it. And God rest his man's soul, but he is now deceased because he is also one of the many unfortunate uh, victims to this virus. Um, you know, it's really sad. And, you know, you have the reopening of gyms and bowling alleys and uh, salons and, you know, um, it's disturbing because in the midst of this pandemic, who wants to go bowling? Now, the gym, like I said before, I love the gym. I mean, today I just went on a, you know, a couple mile run, you know, but I'm not willing to go back in the gym if it opens up. That's not going to happen. You know, like I'm going to be safe. I want to be safe. I want to protect myself and protect others. You got to get creative. You know, whether you go out here, you try to cut your own hair, or whether you go out here and, you know, you work out outside. Like me, I love fire hydrants. Like people thinking I'm crazy, you know. I mean, they probably, most people give me thumbs up, but I'm out there doing push-ups and lunges and, you know, dips on fire hydrants every time I come across one trying to keep it together. You know, you got to be creative. And unfortunately, you got people who are, uh, you know, want, are so materialistic. I got to get a haircut. Really. You're going to risk your life. To go get a haircut, to go to go look good, get your nails done, right? Well, I guess you're going to save the funeral director a few extra steps because you, you know, put your life at risk and at least your nails will be done, right? Or at least your hair will be did, as they like to say. You know, it's really sad. Like I said, where we are in this country, you got states opening back up. You know, um, you got like, I think, uh, Rikers Island. You know, they said that, you know, often, you know... Um, a lot of the officers there, 
It's like a breeding ground right now in the prisons, but for those who work in the prisons, like I said, oftentimes minorities, individuals that got to work the job that they can get. You know, these blue collar workers at the, you know, working in these prisons and, you know, there's no measure, there's no way to really combat this thing in these environments or they're failing to take active measures to combat it. And it's just gotten out of control. Um, you know, it's, 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 I, I saw the other day, uh, just actually just yesterday, and there were some talks about it being in Georgia. Well, you know, Georgia's open back up. But it actually was in Chicago where there was this party. And I'm talking to some of my black people. It's black letters in law. Like I said, you ain't got to be black. But I'm being real. I'm going to be real. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You got all these young black people at this party piled on top of each other in the midst of a pandemic. Now, I say as a country, we've got to do better. But as a culture, as a people, we have also got to do better. Because there ain't no damn reason why we should be piled on top of each other in a freaking room for a party in the midst of the world and everyone dealing with this sort, this virus and the number of deaths. How selfish can you be? What are you going to see at this party that, you know, you all of a sudden are at during this pandemic that you didn't see before? Why is it so crucial for you to be here? Are you serious? Yet and still, when you contract it, who are you going to give it to? Your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your auntie? You know, you may have, people have respiratory issues. And here it is, you out here partying, going to these gatherings where you've packed on top of each other for what we have got you know how that makes us look as a people and i'm not just coming down on black people because i yes obviously i am a black man but everybody but i mean it's things like that that should not be happening here in america I don't know what's going on in other countries. I don't know if they're doing. Maybe I don't, I don't know. But I can speak for what I do know. And I know that is freaking unacceptable. And we have got to do better. If we want to be respected, we want to be taken serious. You got things like that. People look at that picture and they say, what? Mm, look at these people right here. Mm, like, yeah, they, they dumb. They, you know, you got people arguing that the reopening of these places are in places that black people and minority people like to go to. Salons, you won't get your hair done in the midst of a pandemic. And go where? Sit in the living room? Go work a job that you probably got to bust your ass for? Sweat out your good perm or what? Seriously? We got to do better. And I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to say it. I love all people. I'm a very open-minded individual. But I'm going to call out stupidity when I see it. And we have got to do better. I'd be ashamed to be in that. Well, I wouldn't be in that crowd. But I'd be ashamed to know anybody or be related to anybody in that photo. Absolutely ashamed. But, hey, you know, with that being said, you know, you got, you know, you got the justice system slowing down. You know, I don't understand. I don't know how they plan on continuing forward because you got a lot of these old judges in power that are very afraid, you know, because their money has always kept them safe. Their prestige and their uh, place in society has always kept them away from the dangers. This is the first time, in, well, I know in my lifetime, you know, where 
your money can't necessarily keep you safe. Now, you got a mansion somewhere you tucked away. I mean, you know, probably can keep you pretty safe. But I'm talking about people who have active roles of leadership like judges, like Congress. You got people who have been or who are in positions that are afraid to lose and it causes them to um, be around the public and they can't do it. And a lot of people are afraid. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm not, I'm not I'm afraid. I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm scared. But at the end of the day, you know, um, a lot of people who <laughs> money, whose money kept them safe can't do that anymore. They can't keep them, in, you know. So how do you move forward with trial? How do you move forward, you know, uh, like I said, with calling voir dire? You know, when you pull a hundred people in a room and you start striking them for cause because they start telling you things that you realize, yeah, this person shouldn't be sitting on a jury. How do you do that in a close environment? How do you do that? I don't know. Schools, you know, you got, you got, I mean, the schools have not really been uh, open for a while now. And there's been talks about, um, you know, uh, grade schools not opening up until 2021. I don't know. You know, uh, it, it's unbelievable. You got all sorts of things going on. You got, uh, I think that the bar exam that comes up in, what, July? July and February, you got, you know, all these people who went to law school who are ready to be packed in a room with a thousand plus people to take the bar exam. You know, that can't happen. Yeah, society is, is, is on the brink of kind of falling apart. And I, I, I don't know. I wish I had the answers to it. But all we can do is just like I said, we got to band together. We got to do better. Well, we can stop this thing. We got to band together. We've got to come together and really try. Put a, a halt or a slowdown on the spread of this virus. Now, we're going to switch gears over to the last segment, Bipartisan Affairs. Bipartisan Affair is a segment that we thought of to give an opportunity to spotlight and highlight businesses that are making legitimate efforts to improve society through environmental or humanitarian efforts. Uh, we like to highlight minority-owned and women-owned businesses. Um, normally, that's what we do, but um, given the COVID-19 pandemic that we're all in, we felt that it was necessary to talk about the various companies out there that are, you know, making an effort to make masks to help keep our healthcare professionals safe. So, uh, you know, some of the ones we came across were uh, Brooks Brothers. You know, they have hopes of making about 150,000 masks per day. Uh, Carhartt, they make about, uh, you know, what, 50,000 gowns and 2.5 million masks. Uh, the Gap, you know, they're out there doing their thing. Eclipse International, which is like a mattress company, and they're making about 38,000 to donate to hospitals, uh, as well as My Pillow. You've all seen that commercial. You know, they're making about 50,000 units a day. So we just want to say thank you to all the companies. And these are not the only companies doing it, but there are others out there. These are just some of the ones that we came across. Um, we want to say thank you, and we also want to thank those of you who are out there wearing their mask, keeping their social distance from others, 
washing their hands, you know, really trying to help stop the spread of this virus. We think that's awesome. We love you. And at the same time, we just want to keep you guys, you know, up to date on what's happening here by Partisan Times. So if anybody out there, you know, wants to voice their concerns, opinion, be heard on Bipartisan Times, do not be afraid to contact us. You can um, call us at 1-833-255-2487, dial extension 3, or if you can't remember that, you can call 1-833-ALL-BY-US, that's B-I-U-S, and still dial extension 3. Um, if you want, you can shoot us an email at bipartisantimes at gmail.com or you can check us out at bipartisantimes.com. And that's pretty much going to do it this time. We'll see you next time on Bipartisan Times.